Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and this week I'm sitting down and I'm talking with Barry from Two Kids Goat Farm. Uh, I've, I've heard of Barry for a long, long time. When you're, when you're talking to, when you're working in the local restaurant scene and people who are making great food, they're often using Two Kids Goat Farm uh, for something. And so I, I've, I've heard of Barry for a while. I've had the product for a while. Uh, he and I have been friends on Facebook, and I just thought it was time to finally ask him to come down and, and be a guest in the podcast, and I'm glad he did. I had a great time talking with him in this episode. Uh, and it kind of leads me to a little bit about what Rich and I were talking about in last week's episode, and that is what I perceive as being the departure from wonderful quality local food here in central New York, or at least it, it appears that we've had a departure from it um, to my my point of view. And I forget if I've said this before. I forget if we talk about this in the podcast. I think part of that could be an influence of COVID. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I said back when COVID was really first happening that I felt one of the results from it was either communities were going to shrink and become more like Mayberry or they were going to they were going to see technology advance by leaps and bounds and especially in our local food scene that we would see technology uh, further you know uh, technological advancements progress rap more rapidly into our restaurant world um, and what are we looking at today? We're looking at, from my perspective, let's just, let's hypothetically assume everything from my perspective is true. We've seen a departure in the um, focus on local quality homegrown food. We've seen a departure of higher end restaurants that are focusing on wonderful local food. Yes, there are some like Eden and Amano and St. Urban, I think St. Urban, I'm sure St. Urban uses a lot of local stuff, but um, even though they're more of a French French pool on their cuisine um, and their style of, of cooking and restaurant. Uh, Kyle, I know it, Kasai does a, does a lot of local stuff. There's Taylor and the Cook. Anyways, but we've still seen that departure. We still see, especially recently over the past year with inflation, we've seen Food prices on the rise. There's this massive battle for chicken wing prices. Is that a dollar a wing? Is it 50 cents a wing? How much are cases of chicken wings? Um, and now we see kind of a race for the bottom for prices in some some areas. So we see like whatever the cheap food item is that all the distributors are sending out that week, that month, that day. That's what restaurants are pushing. So, you know, in a lot of cases right now, it's chicken wings because they've never, well, first of all, it's the end of football season. But second of all, wing prices have never been cheaper. You may be a restaurant sitting at home or listening to this podcast saying to yourself, well, Anthony, that's not true. I just, they are cheap, but I still just paid $60 a case. To that, I would say you should be shopping around for your wing prices. And uh, so right now it's chicken wings are like the thing, while eggs are wildly expensive. Um, so we kind of see a race to the bottom in terms of what's the cheap thing we can buy that we can make more money, which I don't blame any restaurant for doing. But my point is we've seen the departure of that local focus on the food that is grown and produced here in central New York that is of a higher quality. Uh, 
Um, furthering my, let's let's go farther down my uh, Anthony's perspective. Anthony's perspective on everything is true. Um, while these aren't f- incredibly far-reaching advancements in technology for the local food scene, the Toast POS system has implemented QR scan, QR code scanning, ordering at your table. While again, that is not revolutionary in terms of food service and consumers being able to utilize technology to get their food faster. Um, uh, it's still a massive upgrade here in central New York, to which I would also say to that, call spot on. Zach, I have his number. He's phenomenal. I love them. You spot on. Uh, anyways, so we've seen that advancement. Um, those are my only two examples I have for you right now, but those are two strong examples. I will say that. Those are two strong examples. We see people complaining, and I, I'd say that if you talk to most restaurants in the area, they would say over the past four or five months that they've, maybe even more than that, um, that they've seen some sort of a decline in their sales uh, from the years previous. Um, and I think a, a part of that is that people have less money to spend today and things are more expensive. And so what we see is restaurants not necessarily looking to say, how can I go buy local food that might taste better but be more expensive, but instead they're saying, how can I shop for cheaper chicken wings? This is my perspective on what's been happening in food service. I get it. I understand it. Uh, as someone who's involved in the backside and the in the own in the running of running operations of a restaurant, the buying and selling of food, I can one thousand percent can understand it. And um, you know, as here's a great example. So. Uh, op, you know, you business owner, restaurant owners will appreciate this. I think I've said on the podcast before, I've now taken on another job, which I'm, I'm having fun at, but it is incredibly long, strenuous hours. Uh, but I've taken on another job and now I'm helping to run the Limp Lizard in North Syracuse location and trying to maybe turn it into like a central Texas style barbecue. Um, and so one thing is a, this is a great example. So i we buy brisket. So our brisket comes to us and, um, you know, from a large producer. And so our brisket should come all relatively around the same weight. But what we've been finding is some come uh, in the same case. Some briskets might be smaller uh, some than they're supposed to be. Some might be the perfect size. Some might be twice as big as they're supposed to be, way twice as much. And so you know, any self-respecting brisket smoker out there will know that you're supposed to trim your briskets before you put them on the smoker. And so we took from the package and 19 pounds and trimmed fat off to get it down to the appropriate size and thickness of fat to go into the smoker. We trimmed about seven pounds of fat off. And then when you're smoking meat, you're just going to about that fat rendering out. So you're going to lose, you're going to get like 30 to maybe 40, 50% shrinkage or loss uh, from the original weight. And so our price per pound goes from three pounds, let's say up to 11 pounds, just like that. So now it's wildly expensive to sell a brisket sandwich. 
but I can go buy really cheap mass-produced chicken thighs for about 50 cents a portion and smoke those really, you know, and make them taste great and do a chopped chicken sandwich that I sell for 10 bucks, you know, third less than the brisket sandwich that I charge for, but my food cost is like a tenth of what the brisket is. So I get it, is my point. That's what I'm trying to say. I get it. As a consumer and someone who lives here in central New York, I hate it. I want to see more create I want to see more usage of the local food, this amazing food that we have coming out of central New York. Um, you know, more restaurants using two kids goat farm and you know all of these other places, you know, that exist that are making food, that are raising animals, that are growing crops, growing produce. Um, it would be wonderful to see that, to see more of a focus on chef, like high-end, I'm not talking about fine dining, like $1,000 a plate. I'm talking about just like higher-end chef quality, as much as I hate that term, uh, thoughtful, creative, and local food. Uh, I know that there's companies like a pizza and places like that who, you know, they're, they're, they're just quietly over there doing their thing and they're, they're putting out great food and they're quietly using wonderful local ingredients as much as they possibly can. Um, and kudos to places like that. So there are places that you don't hear about that are doing it as much as like maybe Eden who's going to tell you, you know, Hey, listen, this is coming from here. This is coming from this farm. This is coming from that farm. So I'm just saying there's a, a long intro. I'm just saying I would love to see more of a focus return to um, promoting, using, and focusing on our local food here in Central New York. And I hope that we can be a part of that here at Eat Local New York. Um, we're maybe working on, like we were talking about the podcast with Rich, an event over the summer to really focus in on that style and focus in on great local food. And, and hopefully, you know, we can be a part of that uh, shift and focus. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation this week's episode with Barry from Two Kids Goat Farm. All right, so you guys are going the opposite direction? Yeah. 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 What are you doing? We're... Uh we're going to sell off both of our businesses and move to Puerto Rico. Really? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is a terrible time to have you or a great time to have you on the podcast. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's, we're still, we're working out the, the logistics yeah. of it. I have a, my youngest son is 13 and in yeah. uh, eighth grade. Okay. And we decided we're not going to pull them out of the schools they're in. Mm. We're going to let them graduate from oh, cool. high school before we make any changes. Um, and obviously, I still need to make money over the next yeah. three to four years, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's a lot, a lot that goes into you know. I'm, I'm not just moving three states away. Right. I'm moving to an island. Yeah. You know, that's that's our goal. That's and <laughs> be successful and actually do something that we can actually make money at yeah. and get there. You know, we haven't figured that out, that plan. Like you say, yeah. you're gonna, we're going to get rid of two businesses <laughs> and, and try to do something crazy. That's wild. You know, we even talked about a restaurant, and Kyle was the first one. He's like, <laughs> don't do a restaurant. No, don't don't, do, don't a restaurant. do it, man. <laughs> yeah. Restaurants are awful. Yeah. Um, 
I was just talking with, uh, well, so why Puerto Rico? Um, we visited there last Christmas. The, okay. We took the family. Um, Christmas is a good time for us to get away because my goats are all dried off. Mm-hmm. I'm only milking some cows during that period. Okay. Um, tends to be a slow restaurant time, slow retail time between Christmas yeah. and New Year's, and the kids are off school, so we, hmm. we, go, we go away. That's that's our our Christmas gift to our kids. We've done it for about six years now. Okay. Once they got to the point where the belief wasn't there anymore, <laughs> um, we decided that we're going to give them memories yeah. instead of junk. That's cool. Because it's not like when we were kids where you waited till your birthday or Christmas to get something. Yeah. You just get all the time now. Yeah. You need it, you go get it. Hmm. You know? Yeah, for um, sure. But... Uh, so we we went last Christmas and kind of fell in love with it. We fell in love with the idea of living somewhere warmer. Okay. Um, my wife has been to some places, to Costa Rica. Mm. We kind of looked at Belize, and, mm. but we're not to that retirement age. Yeah. We still want to make money, <laughs> and to move to those places and make money yeah. is not possible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not possible for uh, an expat to go there and mm. to make money. So... We uh, looked at Puerto Rico, and yeah, it, it fits us. That's awesome. So, hmm. yeah. So, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit more about Puerto Rico. Do you have an idea of, like, what that business is that you're going to do to make money while you're there? Uh, I think it's probably going to be real estate. Okay. You know, we're we're what we consider fairly young yet. I haven't turned 50 yet. My yeah. wife's under 50. Um Debt is very minimal. Yeah. Own, you know, we moved into our home that we're in now 20-some years ago. Mm. So, you know, the mortgage is almost gone. <laughs> We've done nothing but add value to our property. We added solar panels. We added, wow. you know, those things, uh, some barns and a, a, a big building that my wife's office is in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've just added value. So we're, yeah. you know, we're to the point where we can cash out. Yeah, there's some huge tax ex- incentives. Yeah, to go to Puerto Rico too. Oh yeah. So yeah, is it, what is it like? Yeah, tax incentives if you live down there, amazing. Yeah, you still vote. Well, <laughs> you there's some things you have to do to get those tax incentives yeah. though, and that's assimilate to the island life mm-hmm. and get away from the U.S. and vote on the island and yeah, you know it. it there's a lot of research and stuff that's got to go into it to make sure that we're successful at it. Yeah. And, uh, my wife and I are both driven people and it's, you know, yeah, it, it's pretty easy when you're that way. <laughs> that's you know? awesome. We're both successful. I mean, I, I, I get up every day between three thirty and five thirty in the morning to, to work. That's and, nuts. and that's to be able to spend time with my family later in the day. Yeah. You know, hmm. so, so tell everybody what it is that you do and, and what the businesses or businesses are. Well, uh, I'm Barry Spratt from Two Kids Goat Farm. Uh, we are, I guess, what the buzzword would be a micro dairy or okay. uh, artisan creamery. <laughs> um, but I'm a cheesemaker. Yeah, I, I milk goats and milk cows and make hmm. uh, artisan cheeses. Yeah. So w- what got you started into that? Because you said you <laughs> you're saying earlier you've been doing it for ten years. Yeah. Um, well, my wife and I've been in our, in our home for 20, around 20 years at the time. Um, 
and we had a, a barn that was there when we moved in. Mm. There's pasture land, and we're just sitting there going, we need to kind of figure out what to do to, to have our property make money for us. Mm. And uh, so we decided to get a couple goats <laughs> after my kids were born for pets to start. <laughs> well, two turned into four. The second ones I bought, one of them was in milk. The other one was pregnant. So I started hand milking this goat. Um, I, I I learned how to milk from YouTube. Wow. Right. I learned how to hand milk a goat. The guy yeah. showed me when I bought it and he's like, ah, it's a piece of cake, you know? And I'm like, I walked away and I'm like, yeah, I can go home and do that. No problem. You know? And, and, uh, got home and I'm got the bucket under the goat and I'm trying to milk the goat and nothing's coming out. I'm like, son of a gun. What do I do? I'll pull my phone out. YouTube. Yeah. So, uh, Next thing you know, I'm I'm milking a goat. My <laughs> wife's lactose intolerant, so I'm like, okay, here's you know, we're taking care of it, handling it like we should, you know, get it refrigerated quickly, like strain yeah. it, um, hmm. and uh, I get done hand milking this goat, and I I, I keep doing it. You know, you got to do it every day, All right? You know, she doesn't have babies on her. If you want to hmm. keep the milk, you got to keep milking them. Yeah. Um, so I was milking this goat, had more milk than my wife was drinking. <laughs> uh, my sister-in-law brings me a cheese-making kit. Mm. And uh, I made 30-minute mozzarella with this goat, mm. goat's milk. It was rubbery. It was chewy. <laughs> it was. I'm like, this is, this is not, you know, what I expected, you know. So um, did a lot of research and, and tooling mm. around and reading. And, and I'm like, okay, I started buying some cultures and mm. – and, started messing around making Chev. Yeah. And we we joke about it. We call it our illegal cheese, you know. Yeah. We were making making Chev and friends were eating it and mm. you know and and uh my friends were like and my wife was like the big goat cheese eaters and they're like this is amazing. Like mm. we we've never had goat cheese like this. And That's I'm awesome. Like, and I'm like, okay, you know, and and mm. uh I was like, well, we, maybe we figure out something to do with this. You know, what do we have to do to become legal and, mm. and go through the whole process and and deal with the state and the <laughs> FDA and and where do where do we go for the info? Just finding the information to do those things is so difficult. Yeah. Like, unless you know where to go. Yeah. Um. You know, you go on a state website, right? Yeah. It's, a nightmare. it's endless. Yeah. Right. Um. And then you go to the Aga Markets website. Then you got to go to find dairy control, <laughs> and then you have to go to the FDA and get the you know all these acronyms and everything that you're going. I don't know what the hell. I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's wild. So we we kind of put a, a game in place hmm. um, that I was going to work for three more years for the company I was working for, hmm. and we were going to grow a herd. We were going to build hmm. a cheese plant, you know, in our existing <laughs> barn. Um, and kind of take it slow and get this, get this going. The kids would be a little older when the, you know, the time was yeah. ready to go into business. Um, hmm. and about three weeks later, I come home from work and I told my wife, I said, they just hired a kid in my, t my sales territory. And she goes, what? I was like, 
they just hired my replacement. I said, I'll be done within six months wow. at my job. And she's like, no, 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 you know. And even the manager and everybody, you know, where I worked, they no, you're, you're, you're fine, you're fine. Like, it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> I knew what was going on. I was going to train my replacement. Yeah. And about six months to the day, I hmm. get the call. Wow. You know, can you come in tomorrow morning? And, and uh, hmm. so I said, sure, you know, and I got <laughs> – I called my wife about 9 a.m. that morning. I said, hey, come pick me up at, you know, the office. I said, I'm done. <laughs> I said, uh, looks like we're going to hot lap our <laughs> our goat farm project and, <laughs> and run with it now. Wow. So that's what we did. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. Huh. That kind of sounds similar to, like, a lot of, uh, like, how brewers, like, breweries get started. They're home brewing, and then, uh, you know, somebody gives them, I, I, I know two or three brewery owners today who got started with mother-in-law sister someone gave them a homebrew kit <laughs> and now you know now they own a brewery today so that's, exactly that's pretty wild so you so have been doing it for 10 years and i mean what the like well first of all you're saying that the goats are yeah, kind of go dry is it are like chickens where in the winter time everything slows up yeah um i guess the the thing to relate them to would be like deer they only go. They only go in the heat in the fall. Yeah. So you can only breed them in the fall. Gotcha. Um, their lactation cycles, you know, seven months hmm. is a is a long lactation cycle. Yeah. Through the years, I've done a good job breeding, and I only keep the ones that lactate long gotcha. and and with good quantity. Um, where. You know, when I first started, I was just buying up any animal I could get. Yeah. You know, we learned a lot of lessons in early mm. stages, you know, <laughs> with animals. And then um, we just brought all our husbandry in-house and raised everything from within. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I really go outside to buy anymore is uh, a breeding male. Okay. Um, but, yeah, they so they, they go into estrus in the fall. Mm-hmm. We have to dry them off. We give them about four to five weeks. Okay. Of dry off period. And then normally, right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> as we're sitting here, I should have 20, 30 babies on the ground. Mm. But uh, nature this year <laughs> is not having that. <laughs> I have one baby that was born while we were away at Christmas. Oh, wow. And the other girls are just laying around fat and uncomfortable. Oh, geez. And I'm ready to get back to producing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, it, it, it's nice to have that break. Yeah. Um, and I tot- I don't get a total break cause we have, you know, I have a dozen Jersey cows on the farm too. Wow. And, uh, you know, I make, uh, cow milk cheese for okay. a lot of the local restaurants too. Oh, wow. You know, that got started with, uh, really with Paulie from a pizza, mm. you know, we mm. <laughs> crazy part, you know, as we were talking, as we came in, we were talking about the business and yeah. what, what the, the goal of your, your side is. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, seven years ago, uh, Mark from farm to fork one Oh one, you know, Hey, can you be part of one of my, one of my dinners, be part <laughs> of one of my dinners, be part of one of my dinners. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, you know, the people that you're doing the dinners at, I'm not really doing business with. I'm not just going to give cheese to them to, you know, I was at a point already that I was like being selective of where I wanted to do business Mm. and and Mm. who I wanted to do business with. 
Um, and I was like, I just don't get what Mark, you know, what, what you know, yeah. like I wanted to know about your business, you know, and I, I just want to know, you know, where's, where's, I come from sales and marketing right. and, and money, and I want to yeah. know where the dollars are coming <laughs> yeah. and going and who's making money on yeah. this, you know? And to find out, you know, on those dinners, you know, really nobody's making money. Yeah, it's exactly. just for the people, yeah. you know? And, and uh, but I finally, I, I broke down and did one. Mm-hmm. And as we're getting ready to wind down the night and leave, uh, Paul Messina hands me a business card and huh. says, hey, can I come visit your farm? Oh, that's cool. I'm like, sure. Now, this was a huge turning point because this is yeah, at least five years ago. I'm going to say five years ago because he hmm. just had his fifth anniversary. Yeah. It'd probably be. Wow, has that been that long? I, yeah, I want to say that he just had yeah. his fifth this, you know, so it was about, you know, springtime five, yeah. five years ago. Hmm. And uh, and I was like, well, I, 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 you know, we did the farm farm thing. You know, we had our own farm day for a few years and it got crazy hmm. like 1500 1600 people on my farm during, during a day wow and like total stress out like getting ready <laughs> for it you know because it was just it's just me you know and i yeah. had some afternoon high school help you know and <laughs> to, to get ready for something like that's you know just super stressful yeah, i bet so i said you know i said you know what sure you know he I said, come up, visit, see what, see what I have, you know? And I'm thinking, Hey, he owns a pizza shop. He's not going to buy a lot of goat cheese, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, a couple pounds here and there when they run a special. And that's, yeah. I need pounds a week. Yeah. You know, that's, I, you know, I need consistently consistency in sales. Hmm. Um, so him and his kitchen manager at the time show up Monday afternoon hmm. and, uh, First thing he says to me, he gets out of his truck and he says, what are the cows for? <laughs> and I said, well, let me explain. Because <laughs> it, it, it was a business. The cows were a business de- decision. Hmm. Um, when you have goat kids and you need goat milk to make goat cheese, yeah. you have to feed the milk back to the kids. Mm. Or you have to substitute, yeah. use you know replacers or whatever. Hmm. The best replacer you can find is cow milk, raw huh. cow milk. So I bought cows to have in milk to feed my goat kids <laughs> to save me money because it was cheaper for me to just milk a cow or two yeah. and feed a cow or two than it was to buy replacer or feed back that hmm. goat milk. So I told him that, and he goes, well, do you make any anything with the cow milk? And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, I make, you know, fromage blanc, which is – Chev's alter ego, but in cow milk. Yeah. And uh, when I'm not making goat's goat's milk cheese. Hmm. And uh, he goes, what about mozzarella? And I was like, ah, I don't do mozzarella. It's a lot of work, you know. It's yeah. it's not hmm. not something I, I do. He goes, so we get to talking about it. And he goes, I just want the curd. He goes, hmm. we stretch it in-house. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, that's, you know, that's a piece of cake. And I was like mozzarella is pretty boring you know it's basic it's a basic cheese but he wanted a flavor profile Hmm. so with me being in charge of the production and what goes on and what goes into the milk and and uh how everything's done we worked on and created a flavor profile just for his yeah shop and uh 
from there it just went crazy. You know, he that that handing off of the business card from that Yeah. You know. That's wild. Yeah. And and I like I said, I I I just kept going, oh, I don't want to do one of these farm to fork dinners. <laughs> I don't want to do one of these farm to fork dinners and yeah. you know, and here I am, you know, you get into <laughs> them and it's it's all like high end foodies. Right. Or restaurateurs. Yeah. <laughs> and chefs. Yeah. You know. I'm just to your people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's where I needed to be and I didn't I didn't know it, you know. So Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Huh. Um I mean well, so what do you do like when you like you you all just went on a vacation? So what do you do with the with the animals then? Do you have staff or do you just have to find somebody? Yeah, I have. I, right now, I have uh, a, a gal that's a senior in high school hmm. and uh, getting ready to graduate. That hmm. she house sits for us and nice. cares for the. Yeah, you know, we have three dogs. She takes care of the dogs. Takes wow. care of the farm. Talk about responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's one of those kids, you know, you live you live in the country where we live, those kids all have responsibility. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> parents are a little tougher on the kids out there. Yeah, for you sure. know, they you know That's pretty funny. They have animals and yeah. know what it what it takes. And and I have a good good been in ten years I have kids that I've used over the years that yeah. are now adults. Yeah. That if I get into trouble or she gets into trouble Hey, I I need I need help. Can you go go help? You know. Yeah. You know. We had um, during COVID one of my many projects. One of them was ch- backyard chickens because we live in the city. Yeah. So, uh, I've got I've got a we bought the empty lot next to the house. So we've got a decent sized yard for being you know on the north side. And uh, uh, so, anyways, I got ten chickens. I built a coop. I built a coop that was like you know indestructible as like a freaking house you know me Ta- and a, Taj Mahal a chicken coop. it was just so stupidly ridiculous um I, pr- I could have housed probably 50 chickens in that thing and and you know I just I cost me like a thousand dollars to build it I should have just gotten something cheap and stupid but anyways uh I'm sorry honey who's listening to this we just had to buy actually rent a dumpster to get rid of it that's how big the freaking thing was but uh so I did that. I built like I built a run for them with like pallets around it, covered the whole thing in chicken wire, so that way birds and stuff couldn't get in there and, and go after them, hawks or whatever. Yep. And so they had this great little space, and and I got ten, uh, got them online from uh, what was it McMurray's Hatchery or whatever it is, and um, got ten of them. One of them turned out to be a rooster, so we got rid of him. And, uh, and two other ones died when they were babies, but, um, or chicks, but yeah, we had, uh, we had seven of them and yeah, it was great. Right. You know? They're worth gold now. If you yeah, have layers, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I regret well, it. I regret getting rid of them. You know, it's, it's, I shouldn't say that because really eggs, even at the price they are right now are still one of the cheapest proteins you can buy. Yeah. Right. For sure. And, and. My my wife and I were just talking about it the other day, and it, the biggest concern is who's getting that extra four dollars yeah. a dozen? Right? Is it going to Wegmans? Is it going to Aldi's? Right? Is it going back to the farmers? Not going, but I, yeah, you know, it's not going yeah. to the farmers, right? 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 Nothing like, goes to the like farmers. so, so it so it's just straight up greed, right? Yeah, that's driving this. The yeah. inflation of everything, you know, our government is driving the price of everything right yeah. now. We just had to make a decision because, you know, through and fried is fried chicken sandwiches. Yeah. And 
we were using uh, <clears throat> liquid eggs, you know, so pre-scrambled right in the thing. And so that was our dip. We would go flout, dry, wet, dry, and then fry it. And I've been wanting to rework the recipe anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. But when I was ordering last week, I was like, holy crap, a case of liquid eggs has gone up, you know, 50%. Yeah. And so we wound up switching to buttermilk. And now we have a better product, I think, because of it. But I was thinking to myself, if I had those stupid chickens, <laughs> I'd be I'd be set right now. I wouldn't have to be worried about this. Right. Because, you know, we were getting, I was getting like six to eight eggs a day. Yeah. Even in the winter. So I, we only had, I only had them for one winter. Um, but even in the winter time. I was still getting like six to eight eggs a day. It was wild. Yeah. Um, so they were fun, you know, kind of fun to have. It was it was amazing. One day, I would I would uh, I was really cautious of them to make sure nothing happened to them. And so I always kept them in the chicken run, except if I was home and out in the backyard with them, I would let them run throughout the whole yard. And uh, and so one day, a neighbor I was on the other side of the yard. Chickens were out. I was on the other side of the yard. A neighbor was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you have chickens. And I was like, girls, come here. And just like a dog, all of them came running over to me. Gate, uh, gateway drug to farming. Yeah. You know that, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> we actually had chickens before we had goats. Oh, really? And before we had cows, we had goats. Yeah. And, you know, it just... That's pretty funny. It gets crazy. Yeah. You know. We eventually got rid of them. A fr- friends of ours who live in, up in the in North or Central Square... But a lot of land, they got, they had goats and I was like, do you want chickens? So when I went full time with Eat Local, I felt bad because every day I would leave the house, I'd go walk out the backyard and, you know, 15 feet away is the chicken coop. And as soon as they would hear me open the door, they would all come running to the gate wanting to get let out. And I just, it made, I felt terrible all the time. So, um, so eventually I was just like, you know, we're going to give them give them to them where, you know, they can have a better life. And uh, I don't know if they're still alive or not. I can't imagine they are. But anyway. And there's (laughs) there's enough farmers with chickens with eggs at the farmer's market that you can go buy locally raised eggs, you know, and and support somebody else. Yeah. That's. But it was the only times that really saw, I mean, they're, they're disgusting animals. (laughs) Livestock Uh, is. Yeah. So other than that, the worst part about them was it was in the wintertime, getting out there and shoveling their chicken run for them and you know, from the snow. But uh, yeah, no, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I can't imagine. I, I could not be a farmer. I know that for certain. I, there's no way in hell that I could ever do what you do or other farmers do. Why do you say that? It, it's it's a, your life. It's your it, life. It is. It is. You know, like when we... My wife and I, like, going away for Christmas, we had to, luckily, she has a friend who, uh, she has a friend, we have friends who the wife is, uh, went to school for agriculture and taught in, like, schools, you know, she teaches out in Rome right now, I think. Um, So, luckily, they lived close by and had no problem going over and making sure the water hadn't frozen and, you know, all that, you you know, that kind of stuff, but check getting the eggs every morning. But if it wasn't for that one random person, we'd be screwed. Yeah. You know, you're it, not leaving. That's the well. And two, you just explained to me how you'd let the girls out. Yeah, they're not just chickens, right? Right. Even 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 on the biggest dairy farms in New York or Wisconsin or California, the people that own those animals and own those cows and goats and chickens, yeah, pigs. 
they're they're family members. Right. They're assets, but they're also family members. You death comes and goes on a farm. Yeah. And and, and it's the hardest thing to watch, you know? Yeah. Um the when it's coming, it's great. But right. with that, you know, that that with with the birth, there's there's the death that goes yeah. with it. Um hmm. and it doesn't matter if you have four thousand or four. Yeah. People still care. Right. You know, they you know, everybody wants that's a big factory farm. It's not. Yeah. Most of those farms are still owned by families and they you know, they have their kids running around the farms. I live next to one of the, the largest educators in in the dairy industry and mm. they are phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and it's a big farm. Yeah. But it's all family. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say, like, it, I, we're starting to do some work for the New York Beef Council, and talking with the people and working with, like, Chrissy, who's, I don't know if Chrissy's running the whole program here now uh, in Upstate or if she's just still doing marketing, but anyways, I mean, talking to them and working with them, yeah, obviously, they have a passion for, you know, farming, and and especially, obviously, especially for beef and all that kind of stuff, but just agriculture in general. But it's such a massive, like, I, so <laughs> I just started uh, running the Limp Lizard in North Syracuse where Through and Fried is out of. So this past week was my first full weekend with I, the restaurant open. I saw that. And, I mean, not just the brisket and the pork and the ribs that we went through, but we sold 26 cases of chicken wings this weekend. And I'm sitting there going through you know, digging through cases of chicken wings. I'm like, holy shit, how many chickens is, you know, or cutting down our chicken breast. And the chicken breast is like this big and it's that, it's this massive. I'm like, well, this obviously wasn't not a humanely organic chicken. Yeah. I mean, where do you, like, what, what's your stance on factory farming? What do you think about that stuff? Uh, You know, the, the, the chicken industry and, and, it's just a totally different industry, right? Yeah. I mean, that has changed in my lifetime, you yeah. know, from when I was a kid to to now tremendously, right? Back in the in the seventies, people with money ate chicken. Yeah. Right? Chicken was expensive. Hmm. Now we've turned it into this big, you know, yeah. coop after coop after coop and and you know, massive breast size and right. the animals don't move. Um, you know, they I, I don't agree with it. Yeah. But we're in a position as, as a country, as a world, mm-hmm. I mean, not even as a country, as a world, we we really don't grow enough food for the people that are here. Yeah. Right? Like, if yeah. you think about it. Um, I, I, I don't want to get political, but... Right. People don't understand the Ukraine, how important the Ukraine is to mm. the rest of the world. Yeah. 30% of the world's wheat yeah. comes from the Ukraine. Hmm. That's huge. <laughs> That's the Fertile Crescent, right? Yeah, right. That, that 30% of hmm. the world's wheat. And you think hmm. of the products that come from that wheat, right? Oh, yeah. They're inexpensive products. They're, 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 they tend to be products that feed poor people. Yeah. That, that we, I don't think we've seen that you know what what really the cause of that yeah war is going to have on oh. the rest of the world and our food our food system 
We, uh, I was just listening, I listened to this whole podcast. I listened to Rogan. Uh, actually, COVID and building the chicken coop got me into Rogan. My brother used to always tell me, oh, you got to check out this podcast from Joe Rogan. I'm like, dude, they're three hours long. That's not happening. He's a madman. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden during COVID, I'm out in the yard for three hours each day working on the coop and drinking beer. So I was like, all right, I'll listen. And, um, but he just did, had this episode and I'm going to butcher everything. Uh, but the guy basically, he was, this is, whatever, this guy whose job is to look at all of these different factors in the world and make determinations on what's going to happen in like that part of the world and how that's going to affect this over here. And he was talking a lot about he was talking a lot about countries that are about to nations that are about to like collapse or fall because they don't have the generation a there's there aren't as many people in the younger generations to support the older generations and b the younger generations how they've been raised were doing this stuff on their phone and not creating things or building things yeah. Um, but one of the things that they were talking a lot about was uh, that was the war in Ukraine and how we globally we haven't really seen any effects from from it, but they're coming out of the mud season in like March, and that's when everything's supposed to pick up and everybody else, you know, all those effects like you're talking about are going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Uh, we've got a family. My wife's family is from Boonville. My father-in-law was a uh, now retired. Uh, big animal vet, and um, and he's from Iowa, and the family in Iowa are all farmers. They're either uh, I don't think there's any cattle farmers, but there might be. But I think they're all either pig farmers or corn farmers. IBP yeah. Iowa beef from pork, baby. <laughs> yeah. You know, you would talk about factory farming. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. My my father lived in in uh, Sioux City for a while and mm. you know it's packing plants and okay. and slaughterhouses and yeah. poultry farms and <laughs> and then corn for as far as yes. the eye can see yeah. it's it's crazy yeah corn yeah. or soybeans right yeah 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 so we've they've got friends out there i mean the family has everybody in the family out there has big farms or works on a farm or connected somehow but uh um they one of my father-in-law's old high school friends has this massive massive farm that's all corn or soybeans and we were out there last september you know got to climb up in the big combine and all that kind of stuff and i mean it's just insane but i was asking him, i was like well what do you do with all this corn all goes over to china yep it's insane yeah he's like all of it gets shipped out to china you know some you know one way or the other and i'm like Oof, you know, what happens when that when what happens when something happens over there where they don't need all this corn, you know? Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a global economy, the yeah. the farming industry. People don't understand that. Um, you know, it, it's huge. How much of it goes everywhere else? Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 as simple as, you know, it, it we go back to the educating part, right? Yeah. You know, you talk to people that don't even understand that a cow's got to be bred right to be milked or goat's got to be bred to be milked yeah you know it, it doesn't yeah. just all of a sudden have a mammary <laughs> system and can be milked there's a lot of people that don't understand that yeah or they think you know um i had one on the top of my head and i i, I lost it <laughs> um what do you think about the you know to me it feels like the 
like things that Mark was a part of, even though he still got Eden Fresh Network, and you know, I know they're changing, getting ready to change names, and um, and he's still doing his thing with all of that. Uh, it feels like to me the locally, at least, that the movement of support local, buy local, eat local has really died down. Have you noticed that? Or is like demand for your product increased? Is it like, what's that been? How's that been looking like over the past couple of years? I I don't know if it's died down. Um, I think there's a lot more options now. Yeah. I think a lot of people in in the 10 years that I've been to it, doing it, have jumped into the business, you Mm -hmm. know, jumped into the industry. So there's more options. Mm -hmm. There's more options even locally or than local here, not a word, but um, in your neighborhood than in Syracuse. You know what I mean? It's, uh, COVID was crazy, right? Yeah. COVID, COVID, people that owned businesses at the beginning of COVID were going, am I going to survive? Yeah. To then going crazy, like the food industry went crazy with all the takeout and everything, you know, and I mean, my business was Booming. I bet. Like nuts. Like I, 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 COVID was amazing. Yeah. Um, and on the backside of it, I had picked up some customers during COVID. I've kept them. Um, hmm. you know, they're still doing, you know, quality business with me. I haven't, I haven't went out and looked for n- new customers. I, That's I, great. you know, we're producing enough cheese and I, hmm. I can only produce so much physically. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it just the the whole roller coaster of the past three to four years has just been hmm. you know nuts for everybody. Yeah, you know um, the kids, the your 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 family life. You know <laughs> it, it. There's another thing, you know, just like the Ukraine, we haven't even touched the surface of what's going to come out of that. Yeah, year to eighteen months of masking our kids going to school, not going mm. to school, you know, you're going to see a generation of kids that were in their, yeah. you know, in that middle school age that are going to get to the real world and mm. possibly struggle, Yeah, you know, uh, socially. Um, I, I don't know. You know there's yeah. A, it, yeah. It's kind of like what we were talking about before about failure, you know, when it comes to business a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of four and I have two older brothers that are four and five years older than I am. And, you know, I was really annoying when I was a kid, but they beat it out of me. <laughs> you know, they, you know, I got, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm not advocating for pe- for people getting bullied by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I was, I was fortunate to have two older brothers that if I said something that was stupid, that they let me know about it, you know, and, uh, um, you know, you don't definitely don't see that as much nowadays. Uh, I, I was gonna say we sit we sit here and we're joking about that and laughing about that. I was the younger brother too. Yeah. You know, well, I tormented tormented my older brother. Yeah. You know, and then I took my beating right. or yeah. ran yelling, screaming, Mom yeah. You know, it was just but that's that's what we did. Yeah. You, you, you know <laughs> I don't know. We the kids the kids like I said, the kids in my in in where my kids go to school little different you know they're yeah. in a, they're in a, a school that's that's uh you know pre-k through 12th grade yeah and there's less than 400 kids in the oh, school oh yeah you know and uh 
you, some of the bullying goes on, you know. But yeah. I, I think you need a, a, a bit of it, you yeah, know. It, yeah. it, 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 there's certain things you can't bully about, right. but there's you, you need the. It teaches you some life skills, right? Being yeah. picked on. If if somebody's not picking on you or trying to put you down or, you know, even even in the workplace when you work in the corporate world, you know your boss is always you know yeah kind of, kind of got the you know it depends on the kind of boss or coach they always have their thumb on you right right and you have to learn to be able to deal with that yeah and, and persevere and get beyond what that person's trying to do to you yeah. whether they're trying to teach you a lesson or just keep you under them. Mm-hmm. You 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 have to mm. you know the kids have that's a yeah, I think it's a life skill to be able to deal with a bully. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah, I mean to be able to stand up to yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I was just sitting here thinking like my wife and I were just having a simple this conversation. I mean, you know, this was my first full weekend at the restaurant, and I don't think I've. Uh, it's been a long time since I've really had to. Say to myself, what is wrong with you? Why did you do this? You've made a terrible, terrible mistake. I mean, you know, I've put in 40, I mean, you know, you know, long hours better than anybody else, but, you know, putting in 40 hours and three days at a restaurant, uh, I was like, this is the dumbest thing. Why did you agree to this? What, what are you doing with your life? Your son's at home growing up without you. You know, <laughs> like all of those terrible things. I came home, I think it was Friday night, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I did this. I will never do any. You have to stop me. The next time I come home and say, I have this opportunity, you have to say, no, you can't do it. Um, and I think that's, you know, a lot. I don't know how long, I don't know when this started because I've been hearing, it's not like for the past few years, but even growing up, like all of the messages of, you can do it. You can have your, your dreams can come true. You know, life can be great and wonderful. While those are great things to attain, uh, you know, to strive for, I think it's like, you know, some, some things you shouldn't do. Some things, hey, that's a stupid idea. You shouldn't do that. That won't work. Yeah. And yeah. maybe we need to hear that a little bit more in the beginning on some stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, we're not all meant to go to college. We're not all book smart people. We're not yeah. all, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, I, I, I got a lot of places in my life, not because of the education I had, mm-hmm. not because of where I'm from, but it's how I treated people, how I handled people. Yeah. Um, my personality. I like to think that I'm a likable person. Yeah. Most days. Um, <laughs> but y- you know, you just, you, you kind of put yourself in situations where you can grow, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and talk to people like, yeah. like, like, like this current business that I'm in. Yeah. I came into it knowing nothing hmm. about animal husbandry, about I'm just black. i blessed with friends that have dairy farms around me that I could call if I, you know, an animal goes down, you know, it can't get a hold of the vet. I have a friend, you know, and people are willing to help you out and work, you know, at first they were like, who's this loon? You know, I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm in Southern Onondaga County, right in the middle of, you know, some of the largest (laughs) dairy producers in, in the state of New York. Hmm. And 
you know, you start talking about, oh, I'm going to milk goats and make cheese, you know, <laughs> milk goats, you know, and, and dairy farmers, you know, cow guys are looking at me like, this guy's out of his mind. He's never going to do it, never going <laughs> to happen. And, and you know, five years later, they're all going, oh, my God, we can't believe what you've done, you know, <laughs> in this little operation and, yeah. and how successful you've been. And That's awesome. And, uh, you know, but you, you have to use the people around you. Not use, but yeah. take advantage of the people around you and what they know. And don't think you know everything, right? Yeah. That's that's the that's the easiest way to you know get by when you when you can have the humility to say I don't understand. Can you tell me again, or can you help me? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Instead of going, oh, I know everything. Yeah, that's probably the point. All of it is be humble, not necessarily go get beat up, but be humble. You yeah. Know? Have you ever seen the movie Funny Farm? Um, that's Chevy Chase, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been a lot of years, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> So if you could, you know, three, four years, whatever the timeline is, you're packing up and moving to Puerto Rico. If you could pick up the business and the goats and everything and bring it there, would you? Uh, no. Yeah. No. Just like your decision, <laughs> just like your decision you just made about running a restaurant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ten years, ten years of it, yeah. and and. You know, my kids, you know, I'm first-generation farmer. I didn't yeah. grow up farming. My wife didn't grow up farming. What would your parents do? Um, my mother worked for the uh, municipality that I grew okay. up in. My dad was a property manager and hmm. real estate and wow. sales. And, and uh, hmm. you know, we we looked at it and, my, you know, our kids, our kids have opportunities. They don't have to go to college. They can step in and become partners in businesses that we exist, that exist. You know, my, like I said, my wife's got a successful dental laboratory. Oh, really? She makes crowns and bridges and, you know, anything to do with the medical or dental industry is, you know, it's why I can do what I do. Yeah. Um, but neither, neither of my, our boys want anything to do with either of our businesses. Hmm. You know, they don't want to either learn either of the trades and it's like, yeah, Hey, you know what? That's fine. You know, we're, we're ready to move on and, and try something different. You know, right. my wife's been in her industry since she was 15 years old. She started okay. out in a dental office assisting and, huh. you know, has built her, her own brand and herself. And, hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the cheese making and, I had the opportunity when I was a kid because my parents were divorced um, to travel and see some different states and whatnot. And one of the summers when I was pretty impressionable, probably 12, 13 years old, I got to spend uh, about a week, week and a half with my one uncle Mm. who uh, has been in the food industry, um, married a European gal. and her brother was a restaurateur and, mm. you know, I get to spend time in their restaurant in Western Colorado, you know, slicing, mu- slicing mushrooms and, <laughs> and peeling garlic is basically what I did for a week, you know, and I loved it. I, I, yeah. I you know, I, I kind of had that food passion. Like I want to be a chef. I want to, yeah. you know, but I knew that that chef lifestyle, if I wanted to have a family later in life, you know, was not something you could really, no. you know. Yeah. Uh, it really is. I mean, I was. I mean, especially I, I've known it, and uh, and then especially this weekend, it's like I I don't know how people become lifelong cooks, chefs, 
I mean, you have no life whatsoever. Man, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we were talking about we were talking about the guy when we I came in today, right? Yeah, two little kids. Yeah, right. Trying to take on Syracuse like a storm, right? And you know, every door gets shut in his face, yeah. and I'm thinking, you know, how are you pulling this off with? You know, two little ones at home, and yeah. you know, and it, it, he's got a good support system though. His yeah. wife's family's here. You know, she supports everything he does, and yeah, you know, but yeah, you didn't talk to him about going into the restaurant. No, I know. did. I mean, <laughs> you know, three one fried is is it's very simple because you know it's inside of another restaurant, and I'm partners, and you know, Nick and Chuck have got this, you know, got everything handled. So that I really don't haven't done much. Like came up with the idea, the, concept, the right? menu, tested out all the food, you know, that kind of stuff, sure. But, you know, there was a crew there that was running the kitchen. So um that wasn't really a big deal at all. It was now when the kid, the guy who was running the show out there for Limp Lizard and with Three One Fried, he left and a great opportunity because we really needed somebody better in there. Um, and I was like, and my, I love being able to look at something that's not working and say, well, here's where it's broken and here's how to fix it. So I was like, hell, I'll, I can do that. And, uh, and opened up my big mouth and said I would do it. And so that's, that's the part that I regret. <laughs> but, you know, just immediately after this weekend, I'm like getting up there and just trying, I'm like, okay, I immediately have to segment and like, okay, I'm going to do this and this guy's going to do that. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, restaurant, um, no, no way in hell. I'll tell you what, talking to, cause there's this generation of, of owners that are, they've been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. They're getting older. Don't want to do it anymore. You know, you can't blame them, right? They're 50, 60, you know, older in some cases, tired, want to chill. They want to relax. And they don't have the, either the family doesn't want to, the kids don't want to have anything to do with it, or they don't have the kids and they have no one to pass it on to. And so we're, I'm, we're seeing that as a real big generational divide right now. And the other thing that we're, that we're learning is, or at least that I'm seeing from some people I'm talking to, they're, they're trying to sell a restaurant right now that's not worth anything. You know, they've got this restaurant. They've had it for 20 years. It's like, oh, this is worth a million dollars. It's worth like maybe 75000 if you're lucky. Yeah. And really, nobody has to buy that. They could just wait for you to go out of business and come in and just take over your lease. Take the building. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean. So it's um, it's really, it's it's it can be an exciting, you know, and it, it is an exciting time for, for restaurants. Um but it's it's really hard. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine with how hard it is today. I can't imagine what it was like ten years ago. You know, when things were easier. Yeah, you know, and I I I think we're we're heading back to some hard times. Yeah, you know, before it gets better. Yeah, you know the the interest rate and and everything that's going on right now. I I, I think money's starting to dry up a little bit. Yeah. And people are starting to see the writing on the wall when you go to the grocery store and, you know, my kids, obviously five years is a lot different, but they're two grown boys. And 
my wife hasn't changed how we shop yeah. or what we buy. I mean, I produce I produce my own beef. Yeah. You know, I have a steer born. I just mm. take it to the butcher and I have beef. I have friends that raise pigs. You know, I'll trade yeah. cow for pig, you know, and whatever. So we don't buy a lot of proteins, you yeah. know, and uh, which is your bulkier cost when you go to the grocery store. Right. You know, what are we paying? $7, $8 yeah. a pound for ground beef? Oh, yeah. I just, yeah. But my wife, my wife hasn't changed the way she shops. But yeah. our grocery bill is twice what it was five years ago. Yeah. You know, for a week. And it's like, holy cow, where, where, where you know. Yeah. I, I, huh. I sit back and I go, we're able to pay for it. I couldn't imagine somebody living paycheck to paycheck, true paycheck to paycheck, two kids at home, three kids at home trying to feed a family today. Oh, yeah. Right? Because the thing that hasn't went up for people is their wage. Yeah. Everything else is going up exponentially. Yeah. People aren't getting paid more. No. You know. Well, a little bit more now thanks to New York State, but they should be getting paid more. I mean, you know, and I hate to, you know, I understand that by saying that and people getting paid a lot more money that that means everything, all the costs are going to go up again. But it's wild to think how many people are out there. I mean, the, the I was just talking to a restaurant owner this morning and telling him we found this great cook for the restaurant, well-versed in experience and what we're doing, available, um, willing to work, open to close shifts, you know, whatever. And and then told him what he wanted a week, and he wants eleven hundred bucks a week salary for five days work. To work about sixty hours a week, hard labor, cooking. The only person doing, you know, and the restaurant owner was like, "That's way too much. I can't believe there's no way that's going to work out." I'm, and in my head, I'm like, "I just did it for a weekend and think I should be getting paid like a hundred grand." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're talking less than twenty bucks an hour. Right. Yeah. For somebody that has some skill and some chops yeah. that you can bring in and you can leave the restaurant for right. for a day and, and know that it's gonna be there tomorrow. Yeah. And the work's gonna be done. That's huge. Yeah. That's that's pennies really. I mean, and that's but that's I know. Now imagine that person with I mean, he's this guy isn't, but imagine that person who's married, who's got two kids at home. Try you know, it's just it's wild. Yeah. You know. So all right, so last question, and this is uh, something that David from the former Peachtree Sandwich Company once told me I should ask everybody, and that is, why do you do what you do? <laughs> David. What's David's last name? Anastasio? <laughs> yeah, David. David. Uh, <laughs> do you know him? I do know David. Oh, do you? I okay. do know David. <laughs> I, I used to play a lot of golf with his brother. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Great yeah. guy, great, great food. Yeah. You know, it was... Uh, I, you know, he says they're going to try and get back open somewhere else someday soon. So. I, I was going to say that probably the cost of doing business on that end of your, your boulevard probably yeah. didn't help him. You know, no. that's yeah. You know, you look at that end of your boulevard, and it's it's expensive to do business up. Yeah, there. for sure. Um, but uh, why do I do what I do? Yeah, you know what? It's it's not about money. Yeah, um, it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you, you have a little one coming up. Yeah. I do it because of my two sons. Mm. I can get up in the morning. I, I can get up at any point of the night in the morning, do my work that I need to do. If I need to snag a 30-minute nap or an mm. hour nap in the middle of the day, 
get a nap, pay somebody to do afternoon chores or do them myself, mm-hmm. and make it to all my kids' games. Yeah. Make it to all my kids' school functions. Mm. I can be a dad. Yeah. My my youngest asked a question when we our first trip that we did, like Christmas trip that mm-hmm. we were talking about. Yeah. We were sitting on the on the patio in uh on the Atlantic in Florida. <laughs> and my youngest says to me and my wife, he goes, Dad, can you get rid of the farm so you can spend more time with us? Hmm. And I said, Do you think if I got rid of the farm I'd get to spend more time with you, bud? <laughs> And he goes, yeah, this is fun this week. And Mm. I was like, yeah, well, we're not working. Mm. I said, but if I went back to the corporate world, I wouldn't get to see you every morning for breakfast before you went to school. Mm. I'd be gone before you get out of bed. I'd get home at 5.30, 6 o'clock at night if I wasn't on a a traveling job where I was even home every night. I said, I get to have dinner with you. I get to get you off the bus every afternoon. Yeah, you know, I got a fifteen hundred foot driveway. I don't make them walk up it in the winter or when it's raining. I pick them up at the at the end of the driveway. Yeah, um, you know, and I had to explain to him because mm. it's the only thing he's known. Yeah, but it's so I can be a father, so I can be with mm. my kids, and uh, it's I wouldn't do it any differently. Yeah, you know. So are you saying that all the people that want to open restaurants uh, and they're going to be working those long hours that they should open a farm instead? <laughs> uh, no. No, don't. No, no. I mean, you got to follow your heart, right? Yeah. You got to do what works for you. Um, I figured out a way, and this is, may sound bad, but food producers, chefs, yeah, owners, right? We're all egomaniacs, right? Yeah. What, what what do you want to hear when somebody eats one of your chicken sandwiches? Yeah, it was the best thing ever. Best chicken sandwich I ever had. Yeah. Feed my ego. <laughs> Same thing with the cheese making. Just feed my – oh, best goat cheese I ever had. Yeah. Boom, your head just swells, right? Oh, yeah. We all want to hear that, yeah. right? We all want to hear we're the best, we're doing the best. And, uh, you know, it's, hmm. that's it. Yeah. You know? we're, all, we're all feeding the ego. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Well, Barry, thanks you so much for coming in, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Yeah. All Had right. a good time. Yeah. For everybody who's listening, where can they find the products, the cheese, and everything that's available? Wow. Okay. So retail locations, Green Planet Grocery in uh, Syracuse. It's considered Syracuse, but it's Fairmont, the yeah. Fairmont area there. Um, local food market in Tully and Cortland. Okay. Trying to think here. You, they knew, I knew I should have brought a list. <laughs> do you have a website with them listed? I I do. It's not very up to date because we haven't tried to grow the business that yeah. much. You know, especially the retail side. Yeah. Um, but I'll go through restaurant stuff for you. I I don't have a ton of retail. Oh, twenty East in Casanova. Oh yeah. That's yeah. that's that's a really good location for me. A little farm store. You know. Yeah. Great little story. Um, that place is too so that's that's where retail i'm at okay restaurant wise in casanova i'm in the braylock mm. lincoln house kalamata pita oh yeah um courtland homer area we're in dashers um is it down there and then syracuse um uh, 
Amano, a pizza, Eden, hmm. Kasai, soon to be the Tap House. Yeah. Um, don't think I forgot anybody there. If I did, <laughs> oh, my one of my biggest, and they're, they're a seasonal customer only. Hmm. I don't know if you've been out there yet. Crazy Daisies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're on the card. Crazy Daisies uses a ton of my product <laughs> all summer long they keep me scrambling so yeah. great little family yeah 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 well thanks man i appreciate it hey thank you for having me yeah had a blast Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Eat Local New York podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, if you're listening to this, you want to be a sponsor here on the Eat Local New York podcast, maybe you're a business owner that wholesales products, distributes products to local restaurants. Maybe you're a restaurant yourself. Um, maybe you're an insurance agent. I don't care who you are. Well, I do a little bit. Uh, but reach out to us because, you know, I love doing the podcast. I want to continue to do it. Um and sponsorships would help me continue to do that. So reach out, Anthony at eatlocalnewyork.com, and we'd love to, Nicole or myself, reach out to you and get you hooked up with a sponsorship and the details and all those wonderful things. All right, thanks so much, everybody. We're going to catch you back here next week on the Eat Local New York podcast.